Welcome to Sounds Out of Time. I'm your host, Matt Kohut. David Wilcox came out of the folk scene in the late 1980s, and he's been writing songs that are like little jewel boxes ever since. He distills his music down to its essence. Every phrase counts. The more you listen, the more you hear. He has released more than 20 records over 30 years, and his latest single, Rest in Peace, is as fine as anything he's done. I was surprised when David told me he wanted to talk about Peter Gabriel's song Salisbury Hill, because in my mind David was a folky and Peter Gabriel was more or less the opposite. That turned out to be lazy thinking on my part. David had a whole lot to say about Salisbury Hill, and he even sang a little bit. Here's my conversation with David Wilcox. I come to music still with this hungry attitude of what's the best thing to to make life interesting and a bold adventure. And uh, so when I think of songs that did that, like powerful songs, I would not be the same without. There was a song called Sit Down Old Friend. I didn't know who sang it. It was on a sampler record that my brother got, part of a record company thing, one of those record club things. It was a multi-disc album. There was some guy singing, sit down, old friend. There's something in my heart I must tell you. In the end, people at the very end, there is nothing but love, nothing. Could the world be needing more, more than love that makes the world go round? So I'm listening to this guy sing, and he's playing really interesting guitar parts. I found out decades later it was open tunings, but who would? I didn't know. And I also didn't know that the guy who was singing it wasn't just making that shit up. He had gone to the end of the success road, and it killed him. And he died in a very different way because he died to his ego and he came back. And that was Dion. That was the guy who had all those run around Sue and I'll break a million hearts before I'm through and blah, blah, blah. So he had been all the way down the road of what people think of as the goal. And he said, that's not the goal. He came back and he said, no, no, here's what matters. And I said, really? This is a grown-up who's not lying to me? Where can I find more of those? <laughs> so, you know, I, I would listen to that song, not like, who is this person? But I would listen to this song as if this was a bigger thing speaking to me through somebody who had gone whatever they'd gone through. But that didn't matter to me. The truth came with this sense of the authority of the, the choreography of the coincidence, the choreography of that beautiful timing of hearing the right song at the right time and knowing that my heart was waiting for that. So like when you asked, pick one song, ah. But I came back to the Peter Gabriel song, Salisbury Hill, because that song it showed to me by example that if you abide in the process of writing for long enough, the 
the process of writing an idea that you're just trying to capture, like you're not all the way there. You've got maybe an epiphany of something, but you're not living it yet. And the process of writing a song immerses you in that yearning and solidifies it. It informs not just the song, but the process of writing it. If you really take your time, changes your heart and mind. It rewires how you see the world. And here's why I say about that song, that that was showing me by example. Because if you look at the complexity of that song, it obviously was like not just running around a track, but running around an obstacle course. You had to have a tremendous amount of patience to craft a song that could jump through all those hoops. First of all, it's in 7-4 time. You got three, and four. So it's a bar three and a bar four. It's in 7-4 time. And to make that sound natural, to make that sound easy, you have to abide in that and see what works. And then the rhyme scheme is so incredibly complex. Yeah, like, uh, to keep in silence I resigned, my friends would think I was a nut. Turning water into wine, open doors would soon be shut. So I went from day to day, though my life was in a rut. Till I thought of what I'd say, which connection I should cut. Wait a minute, what the hell did he just do? He rhymed the same rhyme through two of those four line little phrases. And there were inside rhymes. So that's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight rhymes in those eight lines. And yet, each phrase is a complete thought. Each phrase needs a pause after it. Each phrase progresses the story. There's no filler. There's no junk. There's no cutesy little crap extra syllable that rhymes, which I fucking hate. In my opinion, the whole reason why a rhyme should ever happen in a song is because there's a few crossed wires in the human nervous system. And there's a curious thing that happens when a thought arrives in your brain at the same moment when the vowel that carries that thought is an expected vowel. In other words, when you hear a rhyme at the same moment that you complete a thought, your experience of it is not just, oh, I'm hearing a rhyme, a sound that I expected, and I'm also finding con a conclusion to an idea. No, your experience of it is not just that sounds right, your experience of it is that's true. And I don't know why that is, but that's why songs rhyme, because it works, because it convinces someone at this sort of molecular level of a truism that they maybe weren't convinced of all the way until they heard it that way. So to me, that kind of rhyme, that kind of dedication to that form required 
rewriting and rewriting and rewriting to get that whole arc of a idea to fit inside those eight lines with all those rhymes. So that meant that Peter Gabriel had to work on that song for days and days and days and weeks and weeks. And the time it takes to complete a song is not just an expense. It's not just a means to an end. That time changes you. And always trying to find a way to say it in a different way that could get that concise pattern going of rhyme requires you to ask again and again, how else could I say it? How else could I say it? And each time you do that, your heart has to talk to your mind. It has to feel like this. And the mind says like that. And the heart says, no, that's clever, but it's not true. And you keep working on it until suddenly it's like, ah, there it is. And that's the sense that I get from this song, this Salisbury Hill, that he worked on it because he wanted it to work on him. He worked on it because the time he spent changed him. And so to me, that was a way of saying that music has a very different purpose if you look at it as personal transformation, instead of looking at it as a marketing shiny thing to sell to people so that they can divide themselves up according to who they want to be like. And it's so weird. I run into people who are just bewildered at my choice to do music this way. They just kind of laugh at me like, you have rules about songwriting that are just ridiculous. Like, why would you even want to make it that hard? But they're missing the part of like, what it does to you to work on it that hard. So to me, that Salisbury Hill song is a beautiful example of a song that you listen to over and over. And it takes you through the experience that he must have felt having this life-changing epiphany, you know, where he goes from trying to fix, where he goes to try to, goes from trying to fit into other people's ideas of who he should be to suddenly getting this download about like, wait a minute, there's a whole other way to do life. And it's just a whole lot more fun. <laughs> so, yeah. You answered every question and follow-up thought I had. You, in some way, gave me such a comprehensive thought about that. You mentioned music as a tool for personal transformation, and earlier it sounded like you were talking about music as a tool for empathy. And Wow, yeah. You, because you said that music is something where you can see something completely from another person's perspective. Yeah. And I just wanted to get your thoughts about if I was hearing you correctly. Ah, that's there. really nice. Let me think about those. One is empathy, being able to see the world through someone else's eyes, and more important, feel how they feel, being in their own skin. And that can really change people. It's like listening to a Martin Luther King speech, and you imagine standing, abiding in that truth, and having it shape your life like every decision. 
And then the other is the therapy aspect, the personal kind of transformation. So I guess the first is a short way of saying that would be it works. In other words, music can give you a window into someone else's worldview. And then the second part is like, <clears throat> well, if you know that that's true, then be careful. I mean, how do you want music to change you? If a song moves you, hopefully it moves you because it's coming from the place that you want to go. And so it moves you there. But, you know, music could also lead you places you don't want to go. Such as? Wild when I first started studying music, reading about, you know, like the different modes and the, the Greeks talking about like, well, you wouldn't want to play this mode for kids, you know. You would play that maybe for soldiers if you want them to go out and bonsai across the field and stab somebody in the head. They were talking about the power of music. And so, yeah, it works. And be careful. Truth in music, responsibility. Uh, there are lots of songs that I write that I don't sing. There are cathartic songs that are fun to like get it out of my system. But you know, you wouldn't want to like put that back into your system. Uh, that's just wrong. There's some songs that are just confusing, just songs that I write them because I'm working out an idea. And in the process of writing it, I make progress, but the idea has not found its way into action. It hasn't changed my heart, it hasn't changed, you know, I used to do this, now I do that. It's still just ideas. And who cares, you know? Uh, those are not the kinds of songs that matter to me. I think, uh, you know, like buckets carry water, songs carry emotion that leads to action. Emotion that leads to action. It's so simple. Well, David, I want to thank you so much for appearing on Sounds Out of Time. My pleasure. David Wilcox will be performing at the Hopewell Theater in Hopewell, New Jersey on May 1. For more information, check out hopewelltheater.com. If you like Sounds Out of Time, please sign up at soundsoutoftime.substack.com for playlists, transcripts, and recommended listening. Thanks, as always, to digital guru Matt White. And remember... If your ear is thirsty for something new, try something old. Until next time, this has been Matt Kohut, bringing you sounds out of time.